Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hi, this is Dr. Andy Barlow with the Chiropractic Physician Center of Tupelo and author of the number one bestseller, The Code Breaker. Are you sick and tired of the medical merry-go-round? Are you looking for a potential solution to your health problem? Be sure and listen to our podcast, The Code Breaker. And welcome into the Wednesday edition of the Rebel Report. I'm Michael Borky. He's Stephen Gagliano. Just one day away from meaningful. Nah, well, let me let me rephrase that. It's not meaningful, although there are betting lines on the Hall of Fame game. How many people out there are betting on the Hall of Fame game? I did, <laughs> Probably more than I would think, but a friend of mine had a really funny tweet. It was he was quoting an article that said what you need uh, when betting on preseason games, and he quoted it and said one eight hundred gambler, which is the gambling <laughs> addiction hotline. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's what you need if you're betting on these preseason games. But yeah, we have football in earnest starting tomorrow. Old Miss reports air quotes as we talked about on Monday. They did get a little break, but they've been in town all summer. I mean, you know, they've they're not reporting to a place that they live. You know what I mean? Yeah, you don't it's have like guys on vacation converging and coming at the home. It's like, hey, I've reported to <laughs> Madison, Mississippi. You know, I, I don't know. But yeah, these guys aren't all flying into Memphis at one time and taking cars into Oxford and doing all that. That's right. happened already. They've been together all summer long, really. Uh, so a few things to get to today. First of all, I just had this random thought. I'm going to run it by Stephen about uh, knowing. That's that's how I'll leave it, about knowing. We also got uh, COVID protocols from the NCAA, and people are reporting it as if like it has any kind of impact at all. It really doesn't. The NCAA has no power over college football whatsoever. Like Their guidelines apply to soccer, but even then, I don't think so. I don't know what the NCAA is doing because the SEC is going to make their own policies and that's what they're going to follow. So I I don't know why they did all this, but most people believe the SEC is going to closely resemble, if not be identical to what the NCAA released today. So we'll talk about that. And uh, Terrence Davis signed a new contract, two years guaranteed with uh, Sacramento. So he's staying in Sacramento, although he was an unrestricted free agent. So good for him. Good for Ole Miss basketball. They need an NBA presence. They've got one. Dante yeah, just one. They have one, which was better than they've had forever, except for Ansu Cisse back in the day. Um, I guess there's, uh, you know, others have had summer leagues and stuff like that. Mm, doesn't uh, really count. No, not no so much to them. But uh, Devonte Schuler is going to be on the Mavericks summer league. By the way, hmm. that started already. Do you know that? Has it started? If it's not. I saw highlights on really? on SportsCenter. I think, yeah. yeah, I think the Pelicans are tomorrow or, or the next day or something like that. So, yeah, Devontae Shuler, if you care to to watch a former Reb in an NBA uniform, you can do that. He will be with the Mavericks on their summer league team, I think, right? Isn't that who signed him? <laughs> I do not you know. you got a computer. Tell yeah, me. Right. <laughs> I, I say that very confidently, and I could be wrong about that. You can all hear the sound of me typing. Yeah, that's quite all right. Yes, Devontae yeah, Schuler with the Mavericks. Good. Good for him. I mean, really good kid. Uh, really represented Ole Miss well. And uh, just getting a shot. And if it doesn't work, he'll make a lot of money overseas somewhere and have a great life playing basketball for, you know, six figures somewhere and get to live in a cool place and travel around Europe or wherever and have a pretty good life, man. European basketball is not a bad life if you can get in. Yeah, if I could play basketball in, like, Italy or something for a few years, that'd be awesome. You come back and get into coaching or whatever you want to do after that. But anyway, 
Uh, so all that news-wise is out there. In terms of Ole Miss-related news, there's not really any news, which is a good thing, by the way. The only news right now that you can get is bad. There's no good news before fall. Dang it. Training uh, camp. Broke your own rule. Training camp begins. <laughs> uh, the only news is bad news. Guys transferring out or whatever. Uh, that's really it. It's all you get right now, and we did talk about some on Monday. Ole Miss got good and bad news, but Lane, did you hear Kiffin's interview with uh, Dan Patrick or, or uh, Lebitard this morning? Basically talking about how Alabama is just going to continue to dominate everyone until yeah. Nick Saban retires. Yeah, yeah. And I wish Dan. Pa- I mean, I, his job is to, you know, entertain his listeners, and that's it. But. Dan Patrick, every time Kiffin's been on, has only asked about Nick Saban. It's like, right. uh, we, we get it. You know, he coached under Nick Saban. Is there anything else you want to talk to him about? I don't know. Again, when you have a program that's exciting, like Ole Miss is going into this season, ask a little bit more about that. At some point, Lane Kiffin is more than a Nick Saban former assistant. Right. And now, I think, is that time. And then uh, I had a friend in a group message get really mad about what Kiffin was saying on Dan Lebitard this morning. Uh, they were kind of cracking jokes at the culture difference between Boca and Oxford. Uh, talked about how there's no clear water in Oxford. And I mean, stuff like that's just funny to me. I, uh, that's true. Yeah. There's there nothing wrong with the clips at all. It, it is different. Oxford is not Boca or anywhere on the east coast of Florida. And that's okay. I mean, there's... He spoke glowingly about it, but they joked about how there's no water around Oxford. And uh, what did he say? He brought up Sardis and said, but it's brown water and how there's no clear water around. And the only place he can get a, a real martini would be in Memphis. Like you, But you can get one in Oxford. It's just a joke. Right. They're, they're, Levitard's not for everybody. Do you Have you ever listened to it? I'm not a huge fan. I'm not Mainly a fan because I, I hated that show that he had on ESPN. With his dad. Highly questionable? Yeah, that was awful. It's highly questionable that anyone would ever watch that show. Well, there's a reason that uh, ESPN's in the tank, but <laughs> um, I, I don't like it either. I, it just the, the whole sports hipster thing, like we're too cool to talk about actual sports kind of stuff, that just doesn't appeal to me at all. It, just not my thing. But he has a large audience, and your football coach was talking to that large audience this morning cracking jokes and having a good time. And he was on Dan Patrick's large audience today, cracking jokes, having a good time with Ole Miss on the background, Ole Miss on his shirt, and being introduced and being talked about as Ole Miss coach Lane Kiffin. And it cannot be overstated. There is nobody else that has coached at Ole Miss in recent history, maybe ever, that would have brought that kind of attention on your program. It's very much a Lane Kiffin thing. He got Dan Patrick interviews when he was at FAU. But the fact that the, just this morning, again, your football coach was on with Dan Lebitard and Dan Patrick today is something that Hugh Freeze would have never gotten. Not like this. Not like this at all. Matt Luke sure as hell wouldn't have gotten it. Cutcliffe, while a great dude, is just not there. Ed Orgeron was a disaster at Ole Miss. I mean, though. It's different now. Yeah, even with the success under Hugh Freeze, I don't think that these national outlets really wanted to talk to him. I think he had a personality that they knew they didn't mesh with that was very inauthentic at times. Uh, Matt Luke, just the program obviously wasn't exciting at the time, and you saw that 
in attendance. You saw that in so many different aspects at the time. His, his only national interviews would be National Signing Day when Paul Feinbaum has literally right. everyone Feinbaum. on. Feinbaum. That was it. So these kind of interviews and this kind of presence on a national stage, on a national platform, is huge. It definitely means something. It is just more of your program being sold nationally, and that uh, is a really big deal. Speaking of big deals, the podcast is brought to you by LBs, just across from Kroger on University Avenue in Oxford. We've got a heat wave coming, apparently, according to the news anyway. We've got a heat wave coming, but that shouldn't stop you from getting behind the grill. It is the best place in Mississippi to get your meat, and it's right there in Oxford. So go by and see Greg and tell him we sent you. Pulled up the weather, and apparently Oxford is immune to that heat wave that is coming. It's just us down here. Oxford's uh, a great bubble. Things oh, don't it? happen in Oxford like they happen everywhere else. Oh, no, they don't. <laughs> 91 is the highest temperature you'll see for the next 10 days in Oxford. Perfect <laughs> grilling weather. And get that started at LB's and tell Greg that we sent you. Also, podcast brought to you by ABSMS, Advantage Business Systems of Mississippi. The website is absms.com. If you want an complimentary office technology assessment. That's the website to go to, absms.com. But what is that? It's copiers and printers, mail machines, voice over IP phones, uh, cloud storage, data security, those kind of things. When you call ABS, their number will be listed on their website. When you call them, you get a live person every time. And when they service you, it's somebody from your backyard. They service the entire state of Mississippi and their texts are scattered across this great state. So tell them we sent you absms.com, Advantage Business Systems of Mississippi. All right. So we have, or I'll start with this. I'll save the COVID thing for, for last, actually. I'll save the COVID thing for last because people are sick of it, but it's real. I was thinking about this with uh, the Miles Brennan injury. That solved their quarterback battle, right? Max Johnson is going to be the starting quarterback at LSU. It was possible that he was going to be the starting quarterback at LSU anyway, but now we know for sure. So that competition has been settled. But in this state in particular, Mississippi State has a quarterback battle that may never be solved. Uh, I could go into the season. I mean, who knows, right? It, it didn't look very good in the spring. There are people that are convinced that uh, this freshman will come in and take the job. I mean, who knows? It's, it's a mess right now. Deep quarterback competition. Texas A&M, it seems like they kind of have their guy, but it's still, you don't know. It should be a playoff contending team, but you don't know who's the quarterback, right? They should be the best offensive and defensive line maybe in the SEC. Tons of experience, everything. But you don't know, even if they decided. Bryce Young, yes, he's the quarterback at Alabama, makes it easier for him, but you don't know. You don't know what Emory Jones is going to be like at Florida. You really don't. You don't know who the quarterback at Mississippi State is I have an State idea of what Emory Jones is going to be at Florida. I kind of have a guess as well. But don't count out Dan Mullen in, in quarterback. That's true. Somebody can replay this audio after the season, and he wins the Heisman, <laughs> and I'm an idiot. So. Oh, it's fine. It's fine. Uh, people don't um, punish you for being wrong. They punish you for being inauthentic. That's fair. There's your quote of the day. <laughs> uh, Arkansas, same thing. I mean, is it K.J. Jefferson? Maybe it is, but you don't know what he's going to be like. How nice is it as an Ole Miss fan out there listening to this right now to have the most important position on the field, not only 
You know who it's going to be, but you know what he is already. The most important position, the X factor for every team in college football. And you not only have it solid, there's no question, there's no worry, but you know exactly what it is, and it's elite. How good does that feel? It has to feel amazing right now. Yeah, it definitely Looking does. Looking around the SEC anyway. Right, and and I'll, the example I'll use is going to be an NFL example. Going into every season for the last 20 years, does it matter who is on Tom Brady's team or Aaron Rodgers' team? Anytime before a season, if there are holes in that roster, which there are on the Ole Miss roster, you look at the you know now the Bucks, the Patriots, the Packers, whatever, and say, that's fine because they've got their guy at quarterback. Right now, Ole Miss has their guy at quarterback. I'm not saying he's the greatest of all time. I'm just saying they've got that position taken care of, which is the most important one on the field. And while you have 11 questions on defense and some holes on offense after Elijah Moore left, you've got your guy under center. It's crazy to think about. When we talk about this Ole Miss team and what they're going to be, are we underselling the impact of Elijah Moore, the loss of Elijah Moore? Because I, I've fallen into this trap. I, I have, in every interview I've done, everywhere else I've said, you know, I expect the offense to score on anybody basically at will just like they did last year. I have said that, and I believe it, but are we wrong or am I wrong? Because Elijah Moore right now is tearing up Jets camp, tearing it up. Like you've got people that cover the NFL on a national level that have – that are doing the camp tours are going everywhere that are saying the only sure thing from camp because you get all these storylines, right? This guy looks good. This guy looks bad. This team looks good, whatever, whatever. That Elijah Moore, I saw it today from a guy that covers the NFL nationally, is the only thing in camp that he knows will work out. That's a, that's a big statement, right? right? I've seen videos of him just torching defensive backs. Now it is the Jets. We'll, we'll put that caveat on there. But, no, it, it's – Unreal to watch, and one of the main things that I've heard you talk about is route running with Elijah Moore, and you see that in you can see it from 50 yards away in a grainy practice video shot from someone's phone, how well he runs routes and how he's able to manipulate defenses. I wonder if that uh, draft analyst for whatever website it was uh, still has a job after he said Elijah Moore's a raw route runner and that's <laughs> a negative in his game. I mean, you, you can't like come back from that right that's not making a prognostication and getting it wrong or having a bad take that's like objectively false and you right. shouldn't be doing draft analysis anymore yeah that's not saying well maybe his size won't translate whatever that's guessing it's valid yeah but saying that he's not a good route runner i don't know what game you could have possibly watched even before he really became the elijah moore now that is ingrained in Ole Miss football history, I don't know when you would have watched a game and said that he's not a clean route runner. Spoiler alert, guy didn't. That's, yeah. But back to the original point, are, are we, I say we, the collective we, you may not be, I certainly am, underselling the loss of Elijah Moore? Is that possible? <sighs> it's, a, it's a hard question, and the answer really relies on Guys like Braylon Sanders, Dontario Drummond, Jonathan Mingo, guys who have been number two wide receivers their whole time at Ole Miss, one of them stepping up to, you're, you're never going to be Elijah Moore. You're never going to replace that production. But if you can just 
be on par with it and allow other guys like Ely and some of these more established playmakers to fill more so that number one role as far as a target for Matt Corral, then I don't think it will be as massive as a loss as it would be if you're just looking on paper at how do you replace 86 catches uh, over a thousand yards and all that kind of stuff, if that makes sense. It does. I I go back and forth on it. I, I think at the end of the day, what you saw last year was obviously one of, if not the best receiver in the history of the school. And people may roll their eyes at that because look at what A.J. Brown's doing in the NFL. But Elijah Moore in fewer games against SEC only competition broke his record. I mean, you know, what else can you go by? Uh, D.K. Metcalf, obviously a physical specimen in what he's doing in the NFL, but he didn't have that level of production at Ole Miss. No. Injuries kind of marred that, and who knows, maybe well, he Trimble would have. was but... a first-round pick, never did stuff right. like that. So he's obviously special, but I think the reason why, and people outside of this state, I think Ole Miss fans are, are true believers in the same way I am about this offense, but... There are people in in other markets that completely roll their eyes at the idea that they're not going to miss a beat. I understand it, but something about last season, it wasn't just Elijah Moore's spectacular play. It was a scheme that took its best player and used him to exploit opponents. And I said this before, I think this was with you a couple weeks ago, everybody forgets that Ole Miss led the SEC in rushing last year. They led the SEC in rushing last year. So, Elijah Moore's going to be a huge loss. Where does the offense turn without him? Well, shit, they just led the league in rushing, and all of those guys are are back. Ely, Connor, Parrish, uh, Kentrell Bullock. I mean, they believe in all of these guys, and they are all back, and the offensive line lost one piece, and they replaced it with a guy that has 26 Power 5 starts. I mean, that's the thing here is, uh, yes, yes, Elijah Moore is a big loss. But what I saw from my untrained eye last year with the way they ran their offense, they will be able to mask that loss and the exploitation of their opponent in a way that will make it look like Elijah Moore was never there. So it's more, it's not from a personnel standpoint. I've told you this before. I hate the question, who's going to replace Elijah Moore? Nobody. Matt Corral said it at media days. Nobody. They don't have Elijah Moore on that roster anymore. And there's not a guy that's as good as him on that roster anymore. Not at wide receiver. But the week-to-week adjustments and exploitation of defenses that they did was not just, go get open, Elijah. It was scheme, paired with his excellent route running and ability to catch the football and all that. But I expect them to be able to scheme opponents the same way they did last year, even without him. Because are you telling me Jerry Neely's not a weapon that can exploit defenses? You're telling me that Snoop Connor's not a guy can run all over people? You're crazy. And I just don't think they're going to miss a beat. And maybe that's super homer of me, but I, the way they schemed teams last year, it was not just, please throw the football to Elijah. When you talk about the scheme part of it, I think that's where Lane Kiffin is so important in all of this. He's not a coach that sticks by a system. He doesn't have, it's not the air raid. He doesn't have just his one philosophy of play calling, and that's what he's always going to stick to. I think what happened before the season last year, and I'm not in coaches' meetings or at practice, but I think early on he identified Elijah Moore is my best playmaker on this team, and he built 
that year's system around him. This year, he mentioned it at media days that they're looking to do kind of different things with Jerry on Ely. I think he will be that guy this year. That the offense, obviously led by Matt Corral, but it will flow through Jerry on Ely. I think his touches will go up, even if it's not just in the traditional running back position. I think you will see him moved all over the field. Probably so. It would be smart if they did. Uh, people are really underselling the addition of Jacor Pearson as well. Uh, I mean, you know, camp hasn't started yet. We haven't seen anything. But there are people that think that John Rice Plumley is going to replace Elijah Moore in the slot and catch 1,000 yards worth of footballs because there's no other option. And, yes, we've said this before here, I think, as well. It's Western Kentucky. But he was extremely productive as a wide receiver, and he has been a wide receiver his entire life. And he's got, he looks like Elijah Moore physically, like in the pads, actually looks like him. It's kind of funny. I think he's the same height, like right at 5'9". Really? He's probably a poor man's version of him, just because Elijah's so special. But if you're telling me a guy that caught, what was it, 900 yards worth of passes in a season in college is not going to step in and be as productive or used in the same way a backup quarterback is, uh, okay. But don't discount his ability either. There's a reason he went to Ole Miss. He thinks that he can produce in the SEC, and I think somebody has told him that he will be able to produce in this offense in the SEC. Nobody talks about him. I understand why. Or maybe someone but told maybe they him should. that he would never make it. I know that's something that you like hearing about. Oh, and it, that, that tweet, so in case you missed it, I think that, and I could be wrong, but every time I hear a story about how this super successful person was told in school by a really mean teacher that you would never make it, you have no talent, you're going nowhere, and I showed that teacher... I, uh, that stems from uh, one person in particular that was in journalism school at the same time I was, and everybody was obsessed with this person, right? <laughs> obsessed, obsessed with this person, was the star of the Meek School of Journalism, or whatever it's called now, but that's what it was at the time. I think it's just the School, school of Journalism. journalism. <laughs> eh, that's fine. Uh, the star of this, everybody was obsessed with this person. And this person goes on Twitter to talk about how they had a professor in college tell them they would never make it in news, which is never a conversation anybody has. But, I mean, my God, if they were going to tell anybody that, it would have been me, but not the damn superstar of the place. And you know, I was told in college by a professor that I would never make it in news, and here I am on television in this market. It's like nobody told you that. Not a single person told you that. Uh, because I was there in the classes with you when everybody was obsessed with you. Like, you were the star. Give me a break. That doesn't play as well on LinkedIn with some of those posts with, like, a space in between each sentence saying, they said I'd never make it. I did this. Now I'm here. And it just keeps on going. It just doesn't get retweets. No. When you just say, you know, yeah, I work really hard, and here's my new job. Like, congrats. <laughs> Good for you. It's very cynical of me, but every it was an Olympian that was like, I was told that I would never make it, and here I am. And just Who's having those conversations? <laughs> I know it's happened sometimes. There's also been like the, I if you keep up this attitude, you won't make it, but that doesn't mean you'll never amount to anything. You know, it's, it's different. But anyway, where were we? The transfer wide receiver the, the transfer from wide Western receiver. Kentucky. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't count him out. I would not count him out in the offense. I, I think that um, 
they were so balanced last year. Yeah, there was one receiver that caught most of the passes, but offensively they were so it's crazy so balanced. that they were able to be balanced, and that's why that stat is so hard to believe, and why most people forget that they led the SEC in rushing. You had a quarterback that led the country in total yards per game by himself, and so you know obviously all that's through the passing, or most of it's through the passing game. So it's so hard to fathom that that same team and that same offense could produce the conferences leading rushing as a team just shows you how good they uh, they really are so those covid protocols that the ncaa released i will say this again th- these are just the ncaa's guidelines that the sec will not follow they will make their own but most people anticipate they will be incredibly similar i'm not going to read them all to you but here's the important stuff surveillance testing not vaccinated, based on level of community immunity, community spread, and local public health official recommendations. If community spread is substantially high, weekly PCR NAAT testing or three times a week antigen testing. So uh, you will be tested three times a week, barring public, like, like if the virus just disappears this fall, mm. they won't test you as much. And when they say substantial or high, that's based... Sorry, I'm pulling out the That's news part it. of my job here. That's based on a CDC recommendation and a map that they put out monitoring transmission in communities. And the entire state of Mississippi is in the red. So based on that wordage right there, or, you know, Ole Miss and Mississippi State, Southern Miss, all of these schools would be subjugated to that weekly PCR testing three times a week. Fully vaccinated or documented infection in the past 90 days. Surveillance testing. No testing unless symptomatic. Or based on a risk assessment of a documented close contact with COVID-19. I have a feeling those risk assessments are going to be... uh, How should I describe this? Uh, If you've been fully vaccinated and you're not showing symptoms and you were near somebody, they'll find whatever the loophole is, whether it's masking up or whatever, they'll find it. Oh, no, they were two and a half feet away from them, not two feet away, so they're fine. Either way, the no testing and less symptomatic. First of all, the NCAA, they got something right. I I cannot believe it, honestly. I, I can't believe that the NCAA would allow no testing unless symptomatic. That is the exact right policy to have. That's what they should be doing. It's what they should be doing with everybody. But at least for the those who got the shot or have had it within a three-month period don't have to get tested if they're not showing symptoms. It's a good step. The SEC, I imagine, is going to do the same thing. During the competition season, for those who have not received the shot, weekly PCR or NAAT testing or three times a week antigen testing when no competition is scheduled, so they will not test on game day, is how I read that. They will test within three days of the first competition of the week or antigen test within one day of each competition. So that would be more for, like, basketball and that kind of stuff, where you're going to have games during the week and that kind of thing. Yes, Uh, but multiple times a week for the unvaccinated. For the vaccinated, exact same line, no testing unless symptomatic. Or the risk assessment if you are in close contact. But no testing unless symptomatic for uh, during the week, during the season, leading up to a game, whatever. If you are not showing symptoms, they're not going to test you. That is the right decision. I cannot believe the NCAA has made it. 
And you can you can talk about the different kind of incentives that people have offered to get the vaccine at your job or other places that you've seen. But in college athletics, this is huge. I, I cannot stress that enough. You know, your incentive at work, there may not be any real point to doing it because they're not testing you every day when you walk in the door. Something like this for college kids not having to go through all these testing protocols and being able to focus solely on football or whatever sport, you know, down the road, that's it can't be overstated how big that would be to be able to get out from under these protocols that you had to go through all of last season. If an outbreak occurs, so here's here's that. If sustained increased transmission on a team, test all symptomatic individuals or those with close contacts, and then you apply the risk mitigation thing. That seems very vague. I have a feeling I could be wrong. That seems very vague, and I wonder if there's a workaround. You know what I mean? I'm sure there is. A uh, team of greater there, than 50, there will be which is in the one from the individual conferences, if yeah. that makes sense. A team of greater than 50 concurrent positive cases of 5% or more. So if there's a 5% breakout in your team, any symptomatic individuals or those with close contact will be tested. Whatever. That I makes don't think sense. that means anything. Um, so what is the quarantine and isolation period? I know th- this is all wordy and annoying and stuff, but <laughs> I think this is important. Uh, quarantine and isolation, close contacts for the not fully vaccinated are defined uh, or they have to quarantine in accordance with the local health authority guidance for a close contact with another individual with confirmed COVID positive. Um, Fully vaccinated, just they don't have to do that. They can test out of quarantine, non-vaccinated. Which that was a huge sticking point ahead of the 2020 season because, you know, there there were worries that you could get a positive test it could be a false positive, but you can't test out of quarantine. And that, that was something that was debated very widely. And I can't necessarily remember a specific example other than Nick Saban, who was able to test out of quarantine. But, uh, you know, th- that was something and I'm, that's something that I'm glad we can hopefully avoid again for 2021. Yeah, uh, they're making anyone isolate for 10 days uh, after they test positive. They are saying that you cannot exercise during isolation. Good freaking luck. I mean, what are you, you going to do? Put a camera in their apartment? Like, they're going to work out uh, if they have a positive test. So uh, they're requiring everybody to mask during travel. I mean, whatever. As long as I get to travel, I guess. Um, there's a difference between what you have to do if you've gotten the shot and not. So you have to mask and physical distance if you have not received it during athletic activities, including team meetings, uh, during practice, that kind of stuff. So there is a benefit, as we thought, and you know it wasn't really uh, surprising. But if you don't get it, you have to kind of jump through hoops to practice and participate in games and all that. And if if you get it, you get to have a normal season, sounds like. Yeah, for, for the most part. And for the most part. Again, some of those that you mentioned that are for both, you know, there's still a federal requirement for anyone that travels that you have to wear a mask when you get on a plane. We're not going to talk about that right. here. I mean, it's annoying, but still whatever. There, but. I mean, you know, it's annoying, but... Yeah. It's, it, it's a small concession, in it, my opinion. If it means they get to travel and play, I'm not going to complain about that too much. I'm, I'm just kind of over the complaining about it, but... 
there is an advantage uh, to getting it for whatever it's worth. Uh, I know this conversation bothers people. I, I know, but that's out there. The SECs will be released soon. I anticipate it being very similar to this. On the stadium front, I heard an interview with Keith Carter on uh, Neil and Chase's show. I think that was yesterday. Um, where he was asked about stadium stuff, protocols, that kind of thing. And Carter's response, and he'll be on the radio show here in like three hours. Right? Three, four, <laughs> three to four, four to five. Two hours. <laughs> about two and a half hours, Keith Carter will be on the, the radio show. So we'll ask him the similar questions. We just haven't been able to do that yet. And he'll give you similar answers. They are, you know, monitoring the spike, they're monitoring everything, but it sounds like, at least for now, with the shot being readily available and what we know about outdoor transmission and spread, they don't anticipate changing stadium policies right now. They are still selling tickets. They are still expecting to fill the stadiums up. That is not something that they have considered yet, uh, and it doesn't sound like it's something he plans on considering. Things could change, of course, but at least there's your silver lining doesn't sound like they are going to change. He mentioned indoor stuff, so basketball season could be affected if this continues. Uh, but as far as until that up an product, outdoor stadium, yeah, sounds like they're going to go for it. Until that basketball product gets better, they're not going to have to worry about capacity limitations. Oh, man. You're not kidding. It's an important year for Kermit Davis, but uh, you know we'll get to that closer we get to the basketball season, I suppose. But that's a good sign, though. I mean, that makes sense. It's We talked about it on Monday, and I complained about it before we got on the air. A- at this point, it's readily available to you. If you don't get it and you get sick, it is not my fault because I have it. I, I I've think gotten it's, it, and it, it, it didn't affect me at all. Yeah, it, it's as simple as that. And You know the, the risk. You right. assess the risk. You decide for yourself, and that's that's all that we should do anyway. Yeah. The vaccination conversation is, is one that, you know, eventually you feel like you're kind of talking to no one. In my yeah. position as a, as a reporter, I have to report what medical professionals are saying and the comments I get back are not friendly. So, But at some point, everyone has to make up their own mind on what to do. Uh, you know, when you talk about a, a stadium full of 60,000 people, I don't know that being outdoors necessarily – matters when you're that close to that many people that in a state like Mississippi where the rate is so low, uh, I don't know that that's a recipe for success. I hope it is, and I want to see full stadiums as much as the next guy. I do just hope it is safe when that time comes. Yeah, you'll be fine. Just just stop <laughs> kissing strangers out in public. I can't help right. myself. I it's, it's been so long since I've been able to do that. Uh, but that is a good time. That's what... Uh, Keith Carter said again he'll be on the radio show with us this afternoon, probably say something similar. But that's a good sign. It's a good sign that the NCAA's policies are like that because I kind of have a feeling the SECs will be less restrictive, I think. Well, you, so, want, you want your own policies to benefit yourself. It's the same thing that was happening when all these name, image, and likeness bills were being passed by states. Of course, Florida's going to write their bill specific to what the Florida schools want. Mississippi probably did the same thing. With that in mind, each conference is going to write these things to benefit themselves, and they should. They should. So we'll see what uh, the SEC's is, but that line, uh, it's a good line. 
If you've gotten it, you won't get tested. And that means if you have enough players that have gotten it, you're not going to have to worry about forfeiting games. That's that's great news. That is great news. Heads will roll if you have to forfeit a game because not enough guys got a shot that is proven safe, effective, and readily available. That will not be good for anyone. No. So that's it for us. Hopefully we didn't turn you off because of that conversation. I know people are sick of it, but it's still a story. Here, I'll end you on a football point then real quick. It'll get that taste out of everyone's mouth. We're talking about the offense a lot today and and how to not replace Elijah Moore. We both know that's not going to happen. Something that I'm very interested to see how it comes along early in camp is the tight end position. You lose Kenny Yeboah, and I think that's an underrated loss from last season. I think he added a dynamic element to the Ole Miss offense that Ole Miss has not had in a very long time. And stepping up to see who replaces him, you've got another transfer, Chase Rogers from Louisiana Lafayette. I never remember if they dropped the Lafayette, so I always it's just say just Louisiana. In case. Okay. Yeah. And then Hudson Wolf, a four star freshman tight end. And then Demarcus Thomas, who, if you remember that name, he had that kind of scary incident in practice last year. So you have a couple guys on the roster that, you know, are expected to step up. You just don't know who that's going to be right now to take some of the focus off of Ely and off of Braylon Sanders and Drummond and these other guys that we have talked about. Yep. None of them uh none of them proven, but They'll be given the opportunity, no doubt. Like Lane Kiffin likes using the tight end for uh, for sure. So thank you so much for tuning in. We'll be back with you on Friday, right before training camp. There it is. Begins. There it is. Y'all have a good one. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.